You are listening to Frontline Medic podcast brought to you by Ask Nicely. In this episode, we are talking to Joe Torton, Chief Operation Officer for HMS Host, American Highway and Airport Food Service Company that operates in over 150 airports worldwide. With almost 40 years of experience leading some of the world's most well-known companies, including Blockbuster, Starbucks and Jamba Juice, Joe knows that the fastest and most impactful way to make a difference to someone's day is to give them great service. Tag along as we uncover the secret of what it takes to make every customer experience awesome. So Joe, you are also the author of the book Power of Ore. And before you started working for HMS Host, you were writing your second book. So by the time that you got a call from them, you were halfway through your second book when you decided to start working for HMS Host to improve their business strategy. Can you tell me about what happened after the day that you decided to join? Because I know that was in the middle of you know the pandemic and everything that was going on there. Take us back to that day. I came here last year and my first day on the job was March 9th. <laughs> and the second day, everything shut down, including the airports where we operate. It's been an interesting journey. Without a doubt, there's content for another book, but that'll be for another time. What a crazy first day you had at your new job. <laughs> no one really understood the gravity of the situation. Of course, in the moment, we all believed that it would be short and business would return to normal. So I think for us, the length of the pandemic has been the most challenging aspect. It's not necessarily just what happened. And unfortunately, the number of people that have, have died in the U.S. and the impact on everyone's families, including some of our own people. But it's just the length of it and how it fractured the, the airport ecosystem from airlines to rental car to concessions, the restaurants that we operate. And so HMS hosts prior to the pandemic operated about 1,700 restaurants and airports and motorways, which are like travel plazas here in the U.S. And we, the best way to describe the brand is that we're a brand behind brands for the most part. So wherever you see a Starbucks or Chick-fil-A or Panera or Chili's or other brands in the airport, we operate them on behalf of the brand. Of course, we shut down most of that during the pandemic. And as we've reopened, we are deciding which restaurants to open, certainly some of the major brands, but we also have our own set of proprietary brands that we've developed. How do you think that have changed if you look at your role when you started, but almost two years ago now, <laughs> and then now when with living with the pandemic and everything, what does the impact look like in terms of your role and responsibilities? Yeah, it's pretty dramatic, Suzanne, because the I'd had this elaborate 100-day plan of what I was going to do when I came in, and I literally crumbled it up and threw it in the trash about 10 days in, because what I knew is that it was going to be a different company whenever the pandemic ended, that we would grow back differently, it would look different. So the structure has changed in the last year, I had to restructure the field for the pandemic, and now restructure it for the future. And I think the biggest challenge, particularly in this organization, different than anywhere I've worked, is that there's such long tenure. So my first visit out when we could fly, I went to Chicago. And the very first restaurant I visited was one of our Chili's locations. And the very first associate I met was a gentleman named Pedro Martinez, 
who's been working in that Chili's for 50 years. And there's so many stories of people working 30, 40, 50 years with the company. And in some cases, the same roles. It's just, it's amazing. So for me, so much of the job is now being shaped by understanding who our people are. What are the cultural things we do want to pull forward from before the pandemic? but definitely taking advantage of the things that we said we probably wanted to do some things different in this space and we just didn't, but now we have the opportunity. Yeah. So when you go out and, you know, and visit all those uh, restaurants, you must be hearing some pretty amazing customer experience or employment experience stories that makes you really proud. Do you have any of those that you want to share? Yeah, there's quite a few of them. My favorite is a lady named Janice Leffler who works in Charlotte. And she works at this, it's a little kiosk that sells alcohol. And it's just in the middle of the airport. And I could not believe how busy this location is. And when I first met Janice who works there, it was to congratulate her on her tenure. She had just reached 46 years with the company. Started when she was 17 years old, but she told such amazing stories of even in an airport, the regular people that she served because they fly for business or they have some reason they constantly come to the airport. And she's built these relationships for many years. It's, it's pretty amazing. And what do you think it takes to build those relationships in terms of the leaderships to influence that all the way to the front line? Sometimes you have to find people's strengths and then let that come through and let that be a, a strength for the organization. You will find, and I think Janice is a perfect example, she didn't aspire to move up to manager and beyond. Like She loves what she does. And I think sometimes we want it so much more for people that sometimes you take them out of the place where they can add the most value. So I think it's finding people's strengths, allowing that to come through. And and then, of course, it's it's people that really love being around people. And she was definitely one of those. So if you think about the experience that you deliver daily on a daily basis to the customer, what do you think is the difference of an experience that is average and one that is Awesome. Of all the places I've worked and of all the the manuals and training elements we've had around service, if I had to boil it down to one word, it's the smile. And it is really difficult to smile at someone and then not smile back. (laughs) No matter what kind of day they're having, now it may not always change the trajectory of someone else's day, but there's a pretty good chance that it'll get a little bit better. And it's difficult at times to have a memorable guest experience, particularly in a fast paced airport. But considering outside of death and taxes, flying ranks pretty high on people's level of stress. And many people will only fly once or twice in their life. And they only fly because they have to, right, to attend a wedding or a funeral or something that's uh, pressing that there's, that's their only option. So the level of anxiety is very high amongst travelers. And so I think anything you can do to break that, that, that anxiety down a bit is important to do. And I, I truly believe a smile is the, the one thing you can do, with, even without speaking a word, to make a difference. It's a language that everyone speaks. So I know when you were working at Blockbusters, you, were, you said you were there at the prime time you know, of the business. Do you have some great experience or, or customer stories that you could share or like employment and experience stories that you could share with us? that were were proud moments for you? The first year that I was there, I spent time training in a store, actually operating a, a store. And it was a neighborhood location. And very quickly, 
because people come in so frequently in that business at the time that you could really start to learn regular customers. And the most frequent customer was a gentleman named Charles Dunnington. He was a dentist in, a, in that local area. Very unassuming, never really said much when he came in. But one of the cool things about the Blockbuster system at the time is that you could see everyone's rental history. So you could see how many total movies they had rented, what they had rented on which day. It was pretty elaborate for the 80s and 90s. And it, it allowed you this kind of insight into people to recommend movies, not just what they were bringing to the counter, but what they rented before. And I just remember he, if you had to line up 10 customers, you, he would be the less likely to be your most frequent customer because he just never said anything. He was there three or four times a week. It was, it was amazing. Amazing. Yeah, that's, that sounds like the, the start of the Netflix <laughs> Netflix version that you see today, recommended content and things like that. But it was so personal, which was what, what was amazing. And exactly. I, I believe that movies, similar to your comment earlier, like The Smile, it's a very universal language. Um, and so it allowed a different experience than, to your point, what you have today with your one-on-one -on -one relationship with your TV or even Redbox, the one-on-one -on -one relationship with a kiosk. Yeah. <laughs> it was very different when it was personal. So when it comes to delivering a great customer experience, how do you think that manifests itself on the habits and the culture of the business? Yeah, I, I think it is so often the delivery of it is in the store or in the restaurant or in the environment. And yet the tone has to be set by the top of the organization. Is the guest experience considered a top organizational priority? Is it measured in a way that shows that it's important? Is it recognized in a way, whether it's a bonus plan or other elements? And to me, that signal creates the, the energy that goes to the organization around the experience. And one of the things we did at Blockbuster for a period of time is we had what was called a prize patrol. It's a great idea. I don't know if we executed it great, but it was a great idea, which was every store received a mystery shop. Someone came in and rented product and then gave feedback and any store that scored a hundred percent on the mystery shop were entered into a drawing. We'd pull out a hand locations and every month we would jump on a plane and go surprise them. Like we'd show up unexpected, walk in with balloons, cake and money. We gave them a lot of money. It was way too much money relative to everything else. But what was most interesting takeaway is while they did of course love that we gave them money, the real message was that we showed up like we actually we didn't show up because they delivered great financials. It was because of guest experience. And so it created a powerful uh, message across the organization. So, again, I think it has to come from the top. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like bridging that gap between the top and the front line, that's that's a secret recipe on its own but how like one is what is one kind of simple thing that you should do to bridge that gap so you don't get stuck in the you know the back office i think so much of it's around storytelling and uh, so i think for leaders uh, that are not working in the stores or locations with depending on the type of business that has to be part of their talk track when they come in to visit tell me about how your experience is going with your uh, customers what are you learning what's missing what can we do differently to help you 
But just talking about that experience is powerful. As I've always said, your legacy is set by the things that you talk about, not the things that you want to be important, but what you actually mention. And so on those visits, if your conversation is about financials, that's the legacy you're leaving behind. But if you lead with service, that's the legacy you're leaving behind. Yeah. So tell me about if you have a handbook or something that you guys use on a daily basis to really improve that customer experience. I know Starbucks, they're known for their handbook. Is there anything that you have that you will yeah, that you could share, like a tool that really empower people to give a better customer experience? What's fascinating, Suzanne, about this business is that we're basically a compilation of other people's handbooks. So we take a bit from, obviously, if it's a Starbucks location, we want to deliver on what their mission is. And if it's Chick-fil-A, all of our associates will say, my pleasure at the end of the experience or whatever that is for those brands. Uh, Now that's a bit different in some of the local concepts and certainly in our proprietary brands. So we've used a lot of the insights from other brands to piece ours together. But the most important thing I think we've been able to do is simple things like say to the employee to to just say to whatever the request is, unless it's something that's impossible to do, damaging to the brand. If if a a passenger wants something, let's accommodate it. It's the the message, the takeaway to the guest will be so powerful. So to me, that's not always spelled out in the handbooks, but I think if you start from there usually there's pretty good outcomes and fewer dissatisfied customers. Yeah. And what do you think is the secret to deliver that brand of magic consistently and doing it in a bigger scale? I truly think it has to be simple message, simple tactics, clear goals, just so that because for it to get all the way through the organization, that's really difficult to do any message, but particularly one around service. So I think you got to keep it incredibly simple. And it may just be walking up to one of your employees that comes on shift and say, you know what, I just need you to smile today for everyone that comes in. Or I would really like you to find out if there's something that we want you to poll some of your guests today. And is there something we could do differently? It's just it's making people think a little bit different about their experience uh, when they come in. And how do you think you best do that by like coaching frontline staff so they get regular feedback and know what they are doing and, you know, know the things they need to improve on? So much of it is it's uh, effective when it's coaching in the moment so that when you see that experience happening, there's opportunity to step in after the guest leaves and reinforce something great or if it's an opportunity for improvement. And I remember in Starbucks, one of those most, one of the most defining things was steaming milk. And there is a different sound when milk is steamed appropriately from when it isn't, and which something that we would teach inside of Starbucks. And it does actually change the quality and the taste of the milk, depending on which type of beverage that you order. So really taking that opportunity, because you could be in another part of the, the restaurant, but you hear that, and it's a cue to go reinforce it or to coach for opportunity for improvement. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have some other examples of where you have, I I believe there must have been some changes now, especially with the pandemic and how you provide feedback or how you have used some feedback to create a better customer experience. Yeah. One of the things we've uh, done in our stores is a pre-shift meet, which really sets the tone for what to expect, what you'd like to see delivered. I think some of it is also visual cues. So 
locations where we have actual queuing lines to, to bring people through to the register, making sure they're wide enough for strollers and for luggage and just being thoughtful about the experience. I think the visual cues, making things like straws and napkins and things like that visible so that for the passenger that's in a rush, they don't have to ask someone behind the counter. It's just a different way to think about service, particularly in a, a fast-paced environment like an airport. Yeah. And what do you think is the single most important attribution for a great frontline? I'll go back to it. It's the smile. And I think it comes through in the interview. That's There's so many different things to look for when you're interviewing candidates. Like one of my best stories ever is a store manager in Austin, Texas, who was hiring many years ago, Starbucks. She needed people for a 4 a.m. shift. Her store was on the way to the airport, so it opened very early. And she had trouble for weeks finding enough people to work the shift. So she started doing her interviews at 4 a.m. That makes sense. <laughs> if they show up for the interview, there's a good chance you can gauge how they are at four in the morning. And she said she was blown away with some of the people who just, they're so engaging and smiling and uh, ready to work. So she knew that she'd found the right people. That's a great example. <laughs> Working for such a big organization like you do, how do you connect the front line to the bottom line and still keep a clear focus on the goals and the purpose that they are there for? One of the things we've done is we came up with a one pager for our priorities for the year. And we said, let's post those in every restaurant while they're reinforced on visits and on calls. It's important that they're visual to all of the employees that work in the environment. And it's easy to reference them back to that. And it looks differently than anything else we have in our restaurants. So being able to get that message all the way through, that's one of the tech. Obviously, as things have changed and everything has become more digital, we also look for ways to communicate that way as well and messages on the, the point of sale. But it is important communication at its core because I've never really met anyone who says, please stop, you're over-communicating to me. <laughs> it's usually just the opposite, that we believe that our messages have gone all the way through, but you have to repeat them over and over. We think that visual is one way to do that within each back room of every restaurant. Yeah, and I know like setting key metrics and things like that is something that you work on as well. Do you have, like, how do you do that on like a daily basis or is it quarterly or what's the process behind that for... Yeah, we've done our key performance indicators on a monthly basis. Some of it is ranking all the locations at the airport level, at a restaurant level, but it's also being able to ensure that the most important things are being measured. And of course, guest experience is right at the front. And we've got different metrics of how we believe we can benchmark against others of what success looks like. I think the next step of that is building more recognition as it relates to service. Because again, if that's uh, if that behavior is created from the organization level, it's a huge signal uh, to the field on how important the guest experience is. How do you recognize achievements within the company? You know, I think it's important as a leader, what I've always done with the teams that have worked for me 
is in the very beginning of a relationship is ask them how they'd like to be recognized. Because what I found is that in, in many years ago, when I attempted to do it in one way, it didn't always come through in the way I would like it to do. There are clearly people even on my team today who love the public recognition, you know, the shout out in front of the team or on calls or on visits. Others very much would prefer one-on-one. -on -one. Some like a monetary award. Some would rather have a, a plaque or something sustainable over time that they can reference for their achievement. So I think that's really important in the equation, but being thoughtful about it is important in, in how recognition plays out. Yeah. And you have lots of experience from working with big brands. And so what do you think is the one thing they all got in common when it comes to delivering great customer experience? Yeah, so much of it is particularly brands here that we believe the first thing is you have to have what people want. A product, uh, we're such a product-driven society, but that being said, it also raises the expectation on service. You don't, You want your service to be equal or greater than the demand on the product that you have. So I've worked with brands that, that are like that, that they, they're pop culture brands and they're ones that people want to interact with. In all three of those environments, Blockbuster, Starbucks, Jamba Juice, it was about, and I think creating the right energy. And sometimes it's, it shows up different in Blockbuster. It was music. It was movies playing on the in-store TVs. It was popping popcorn in the store. Starbucks, it's so much about the environment and the seating and an opportunity to use the store in different ways than people used before. And Jamba Juice was interesting because it was such an on-the-go business. There wasn't much of a cafe, but it fit a person's lifestyle. People felt like they were doing something good for themselves. So it's different energies, but when you can create that, it really it separates a brand from everyone else in their space. So it's about creating those kind of small moments that makes a huge impact and just improve the yes. overall experience. And how do you think you can do that on like a, an airport setting where people are in a rush? They might be anxious. They're worried, especially now. They're probably worried about safety before they even get on the plane. Mm -hmm. What's the secret to create those kind of yeah. magical moments in a situation like that might not be the most pleasant one. Part of it is what you touched on. It is the small things. And uh, knowing that from all the research we've seen, the passenger is usually in somewhat of a rush to get to the airport and you get through security. There's a high level of anxiety to that point. But once you're post-security, there's still so many things going through your head. Where's my gate? And where's the restroom? And do I want to get something to eat? And and how much time do I have left? And making it as the experience as simple as possible. Again, the visual cues of the things that they may need are, are accessible. Obviously, speed of service is, is critical in the airport. So creating those signals as well that, hey, this line is okay to get into because we have a process that will get you through in enough time to get to your gate. And so for us, we have to prioritize uh, speed higher than you would necessarily in some of the street locations. Because for some of our passengers, that is satisfaction. But if a company wants to create a better experience for their customer, what is the one simple thing they can start with today that will create a long-term difference? I think they, they go to their, their teams and say, it's okay to say yes, to take care of the, the customer. And it seems so cliche because many companies may say that, but then their measures are things that prevent that from happening. And so a perfect example, Suzanne was working at Blockbuster 
and you returned a movie late, there was a fee. <laughs> and there were so many debates at the counter over a $2 fee because we had reports that tracked that said the store might have given out too many credits. And so if you create that message that this report is important to limit the number of credits, then you effectively have said that's more important than service. So I think you have to make sure you're not sending contradictory messages inside of your own business. But how liberating is it if you feel like you can do anything to take care of the customer? If you would describe what a really good best practice frontline experience is in one sentence, what would that, how would you say that? I would say one, assume that there is positive intent from the guest and the experience that they want to have. And that's relevant to the moment we're in because in the beginning of the pandemic, we had passengers who would come in without a mask on. And that created all sorts of discussions and conversations. But as we talked through it as a team, I said, there's people that are coming from different parts of the country that may not have had a mask mandate and before it was mandated on the plane. So they really didn't know as they were walking around without a mask. They were just used to not wearing one. Now, obviously, that changed over time. But I, but I think it's having that bit of empathy also that people come with positive intent. And from there, you can always build. You can always go up from there. Do you have a quote that you live by? I do. It's uh, don't be upset by the results that you didn't get from the work that you didn't do. <laughs> <laughs> and I just think it's so important that, that we take responsibility. The effort usually does uh, show up in the output of our work. And I believe we're all busy all the time, but we have to dissect where we spend our time. Are we investing in the right thing to get the work done? And if you have put in the work, typically, again, the outcome will show. That was all the questions that I had, but I don't know if there's anything you would yeah. like to add. And the only thing I would say is that people have to be really curious about other people. I work in a service environment, experience, experiential environment. And when you come across people that you really connect with, even if it's for a few seconds, it's pretty amazing. And to do that over and over again, but I've always said it's like a musician. They set up a tour and they do 70 dates, but you can see them at show two or show 70 and it's, it's the first time they've ever sang this song. And that's when you know it's passion, right? You know, I think when passion shows up, especially in a service environment, that's when we have the, we remember those experiences. They stand out. Amazing. Thank you so much for, for taking your time and to talk to, with me today. It's been really good. Thank you for listening to another episode of Frontline Magic Podcast with your host, Susan Exeson. Feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn or email me at Suzanne at frontlinemedic.org with any feedback or thoughts that you would like to share on this episode. This podcast is brought to you by Ask Nicely. If you enjoy this podcast, please give it a five-star rating. Frontline Medic provides you with the tools, insights, and inspirational stories you need to deliver an awesome customer experience. Sign up for free and learn more on frontlinemedic.org. And thanks for making Frontline work awesome.